Welcome, everyone, to the 75th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. We're back. Yeah. We're back. Took a little Dan, bit of time, but we're Dan, back. Dan and Nick are back. Um, we took a nice little break, but I wouldn't really call it a break. I think we've both been yeah. doing our own little thing on the side uh, or every day. So um, we want to apologize to all our viewers, uh, take full responsibility for not being on schedule. But there's a lot of stuff that's happened. Yeah. It's our last episode, which I think yeah. was back in August. And uh, we are approaching what I think is a very pivotal uh, moment uh, in the spectrum. I mean, we just saw uh, Q3 earnings come out. All the tech names, except for Apple, surprisingly. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't even say surprisingly, but all the tech names, absolutely obliterated. Yeah. Um, one day by day, back to back. We had Facebook one day, 20%. Meta, Meta, it's not Facebook. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, Meta. I'm just so used to calling it still Facebook. <laughs> Meta, and then the next day after was what? Aftermarket, Amazon's turn. And that got obliterated after too. Both 18% aftermarket. Yeah, and it's made me realize that everything we spoke about for the last maybe year and a half, actually, okay, let me be generous, maybe the last eight months about tech stocks, interest rates going up and how interest rate, higher interest rates will always obliterate tech valuations. I don't care what you say. Most of these companies are not profitable, but we saw a total carnage on Wall Street and people are still scratching their head. They're like, what's going to happen to tech? I'm so scared. I don't want to invest in it. I think we were just talking about this before, Nick. Um, when hedge funds and Wall Street do not want to invest in tech, yep. I think that's a time to actually start looking at some really high quality names. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're looking at semiconductors. Uh <clears throat> Like, and the thing is, it's, it's funny we go back to this subject because like if we're looking at the, like if you're looking at Tavi Costa's charts, <clears throat> he's been mentioning a lot about like the FANG and the fact that a lot of these big tech companies, so you have to be selective because there's some of them where he made a good point where a lot of them, all their free cash flow is just going towards a stock buyback. So not fundamentally really improving much. They're just distorting the way of, they're just distorting their stock by purchasing more of their own so they're kind of propping it up but there are definitely some things like you were saying before too you know semiconductor amd uh in that ecosystem that's definitely a value because it's not going anywhere and even if the united states or the west wants to build their own infrastructure or warehouses to build semiconductors that takes time there's no there's no short-term solution right now so those are some good names definitely um i like microsoft just because it has a better global presence but then again the um the interest rates and the uh it's still a little I, you know, like, I still think that in the short term, we might still get a little bit of rate hike, but that point where you get a pivot or you get a real slowdown, some of these big names are going to benefit again. Amazon I, took a big I, hit and that could definitely benefit too. You know, it's crazy. I, I, I talked to a few traders throughout the week um, while I'm working and obviously, you know, meeting CEOs and talking to them. And I had three traders basically say, this is literally the first time I'm buying Amazon as an investment because the valuation was just, it, it just didn't make sense, you know? And like now it's gone to a point where they've scared a good, I'd say 90% of the market right now, particularly retail investors are horrified because they don't know what to expect. And that's because they just fail to understand what a market cycle looks like. And I'm not saying by any means I'm experienced in this, but it doesn't take rocket science to look at, you know, macroeconomic history, stock no. market history, and to see that everything, every crash, every recovery operates in a cycle. 
Yeah. They completely, they, they, they really misread, misunderstood the whole uh, <clears throat> pressure that inflation and raising interest rates as a scenario would have impacted, the, especially the fact that they believed the central banks and they believed the fact that they would not be raising interest rates for a while. If they had believed that whole narrative and they bought into it, they definitely got hurt because they got blindsided. They were the last ones in and they're the last ones to get out or they're still holding to the bag. Well, I think central banks have zero credibility. Yeah, of course. At, but at this point, they, they are not, they should not be telling people about monetary policy. Um, we'll talk about that. In a but second. that might still be a, that might still be a conspiracy to say that. Um, I, 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 to I some people, it, it, it could, but I mean, <clears throat> the writing has been on the wall for at least for our view last 18 months. We've been saying it since November, 2020, this is not going to end well mm-hmm. when you print so much money and then, you know, they start passing these inflation reduction acts, which is the biggest oxymoron. And I think in the history yep. of anything, um, I find and then I helped so distort the bit of the GDP, right? Uh, so now they're talking about how we two quarters of negative GDP and all of a sudden, Oh, we get a positive quarter of GDP. So it's like, Oh, see the economy strong. We can keep doing it. But it's like, okay, let's go back to George Orwell's thing. You know, don't stop ignoring what your eyes see and everything in you, what you hear. Like people are still suffering. That's one indication. Then you have the fact that if you're spending, if the government's spending that much money, what is it doing? It's inflating the GDP because there's money being spent. So then you have to ask yourself, what percentage of our GDP is actually just government spending? So the more they spend, the more they prop it up. Then you have to take into account the summers. It was summertime. Summertime, people spend more. They go on vacation. They go out. They eat. They so there's there's more demand and consumption in the summer. So you have that component, and then you have the fact that because of the higher dollar, there's more input. There's a lot more imports because you could buy things uh, outside the country and import them at a at a at a better value for American in American dollars. So that also, I'm sure, had an impact on it. So it's like it, I think it's just a short term thing. It's not you know it's but the thing is they like to pick and cherry these little things to say i see it's strong but it's more of a mirage or like smokescreen the fact that they're so completely incompetent and have no idea what they're doing well and i think the other thing too man is like i got i got dms all the time people tell asking me like what what's what's going to happen to real estate and i'm just (laughs) like listen it's it's sensitive to interest rates now you know other people have argued that inflation is peaking Mm-hmm. I don't think we're peaking quite yet. No, um, because so the either. thing that the thing that's really caught my eye, and this is why everything's linked right now to to this tech sector, right? Because tech, unfortunately, for the next, I would say next year, do not start buying tech stocks unless they're producing free cash flow. And again, this is not investment advice; it's just my opinion. I just want to make sure that I'm abundantly clear before IROC or the SEC comes after us. Um, but you know, when, when inflation does peak, um, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a little bit more pain than we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And everyone's saying, hey, we're in, a, we're in a recession. I agree with that. But I don't think the real carnage no. uh, has, has, has subsided quite yet. No, because I, the government's still using easy money to kind yeah. of distort that reality. There's a point where you get stuck and you just can't keep... Well, like free Plato money doesn't just doesn't solve the problem anymore. So here's the irony. Okay. I think you have to go back to 2004. Okay. Who was the fair chairman at the time? Do you remember? No. Alan Greenspan. Okay. Okay. Alan Greenspan was working with Ben Bernanke. Mm -hmm. And there was a period, this was before the housing crisis. And in that period, they were just giving out, you know, mortgages like hot candy. We know, we know the story. I don't have to tell you that part, but. 
what they were essentially doing was anytime there was a distortion in the market, the Fed was just coming in and saving the market. Mm-hmm. So what we've done, what we've conditioned an entire society or an entire group of investors, whatever you want to call them, is to think, oh, okay, if the market is shit, the Fed's going to come save us right now. Don't fight the Fed. That's, that's been the thing. Like mm-hmm. even, I, I, even people on the street, like Bay Street, fucking Rene Levesque, like all these finance people, Vancouver, Wall Street, they all said the same thing. Don't fight the Fed. Don't yeah. fight the Fed. That's always been an ongoing thing. This is not the case this time. No. I'm not making a prediction, but we are at a very, very, and I'm going back to what I said, we're at a very interesting inflection point where what happens when everything fails, and I don't, I'm being optimistic here. I'm just no. saying likely scenario potentially. What happens when everything fails and the Fed can't do anything? Mm-hmm. Are they going to print more money? Do they want inflation to go up? So, and, and going back to what Tavi said, Tavi Costa, I mean, he's been on our show twice already. I'd love to have him on again because he's been so on the ball with everything. And it just, in, my, in our view, it just makes sense. But you see what's going on. If we run into a situation where inflation has peaked, right? That means people should be in a prosperous situation. They're not. You know what I mean? And the other thing is, I think the stock market eats the bottom first before the economy recovers. That always happens. And that hasn't happened yet, at least from what I'm seeing right now. And I think also, if we look into account, if we look at historical standpoint, America has never really had a lot of global pressure as much as they have had now on their economy, where they've shifted a lot of their productivity elsewhere, where historically it's always been internally. They've now shifted their energy independence as well. That's another component of their equation. Uh, Politically much weaker, which is giving a lot of uh, uh, opportunities for foreign threats to kind of start making their own political moves. So now you have like China, you have South Korea, you have Iran, you have Russia, Ukraine, like all these factors are putting pressure on North America. And there's also the fact that let's say we go into further conflict, well, you can't start tightening and reducing your liquidity and your capacity to spend in an environment where people are trying to kill you or go to war, you need money now, more money. You need resources again. So what are you going to have to do? You have to ease it up. So that's why like, I'm not entirely aligned with you is I think that like our biggest, the biggest advantage we've had was the fact that we were always talking things in advance. The only issue is the fact that you have to be patient and wait for those things to occur. So now we're entering the winter. Now the winter is that people don't realize is we don't have an actual full winter experience of a conflict in the war because when Putin attacked, it was like the end of February, beginning of March. Okay, so you don't have December, you don't have January, you don't have February. Those are the, those are usually the peak demand of energy. Like that's when you have the yeah, highest. Like, like natural gas, like people need to stay warm. All of it. So right. the biggest demand of energy comes during those months. You didn't have that last, those last three months. We are going to have it this time. So now the question becomes, what opportunities does that leverage, does that give to Putin to do what he wants? And in that conflict of real energy crisis in Europe, what does China do in that, in that environment where, okay, Europe is completely distracted by its own energy crisis. The West is so divided everywhere, internally, externally. Let's make our own move. Now, if you have that ripple effect, now does, can the Fed continue to be aggressive with the rate hikes or did they have to pivot? Like these are external factors that will be like, well, you know what? This is another emergency. We have no choice. We have to ease up policies again because we need to support our ability to face this great threat that we're now facing again. So another crisis comes along. And, and, and I think this is the classic example 
of, you know, when you, you, you fail to go to the root of the problem, right? And what do I mean by that? The root of the problem is not whether or not people can afford things yeah. or this, that, that. That is a more, I would the say- The symptom. It's a symptom or a consequence yeah. of, you know, bad policy or whatever government intervention is coming mm -hmm. in. The root of the problem, and then again, this is my opinion, is the fact that people in society are just, there's, there's a whole cohort of people that are not productive. Yep. This is just a reality. This isn't us being like misogynist, racist, whatever yep. the other. And side it's a regressive to statement too. It's a exactly. regressive statement, not a progressing one. Exactly. So what we've essentially done is we've actually conditioned an entire society, perhaps a generation to not be productive. Mm -hmm. And this fear of, trying something new or going out to the marketplace and basically becoming a producer, that's not going to fall on the government to fix. They don't care. They actually want you to be more dependent on them. That's just the reality of the situation. I know we're veering off topic here from the market, but everything <laughs> at the end of the day is ultimately interlinked, right? So back to your point of like, okay, if we run to a point where the Fed needs to start cutting rates again, well, guess what? That doesn't stop inflation, nope. right? That just hurts people even more. And yeah. if they keep tightening, you know, monetary policy, they keep doing their QT strategy. Well, guess what? They're gonna have to put rates up. And if job numbers continue to be strong, well, guess what? They have to increase interest rates too. And who gets hurt at the end of the day? The little guy, the people that mm -hmm. bought a property last year or on a variable mortgage rate, they are going to get absolutely yeah, obliterated. obliterated. And they were uh, misled. Because they were told, like, especially the one in Canada, yep. you can feel confident that we will maintain low rates for a good period of time. Complete misled the market. There will so, be no inflation. Inflation is transitory. It's like, guys, how do we st still call them experts and trust them and allow them to be in positions of such significant for society with no repercussion, no consequence, no accountability? It's like, come on, you know? And then we wonder why we repeat the same nonsense in history because we don't we like, we don't hold people accountable when they need to be. Well, because that's what happens when the experts, especially in macroeconomics, a lot of them have PhDs. PhDs are just They're academics. Yeah. They're academics. They're not connected to reality. No. And if you're a PhD or an academic listening to this, please don't take offense to what I'm saying. It's just a fact. Yeah. The last four crises were a result of a disconnect between PhDs <laughs> monitoring, you know, their macroeconomic models, doing all this little things like calculating the mean average. I don't even know what the math is, but it's like you don't need to have a PhD no. to understand what's going on. No, it's, it's a, I, I, I call them like accountants, really, because accounts are backward looking people. They wait for data to come in. They look at a blank sheet and they make a little assumption without actually having a whole perspective. And that's what I find it. They're just Keynesians with a backward looking perspective, a little basic model, fixed assumptions. Ooh, this is what I think is going to happen. It's like, guys, you, how does your models account for geopolitical factors? They, how does it account for energy factors? Like they, they also have probably never taken an actual risk. In their oh, life, of course to, not. To, to, to run a business, no, because they're 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 dependent on the state. The state's been right. paying them their entire life. Correct. They give them their jobs. They give them upgrades. They pay them. So so we we need a break. We need to figure out how to break the cycle. Yep. I don't know how that's going to happen. <laughs> um, the only way that can happen personally is you're a producer. I'm a producer. We just got to keep doing that. You know? <laughs> Hard keep, assets, invest properly, yeah. and so, just so, yeah. So how do you protect yourself in this 
I would say let's talk about the next let's talk about the next year really. Yep. You know, because we know what's happening from a macro standpoint. Traders who are listening to this are laughing because they're like, bro, just look at the chart. The chart tells you everything. And that is true if you're a swing trader. I totally agree with that. But from a macro thesis right now, based on what we've seen globally, I still think energy is the place to be. Oh, I agree. I'm with and, you on that one. And, and, and like people need to understand that without energy, hmm. without hydrocarbons, we do not have a civilization. Yeah. You do not have your iPhone. You do not have anything, especially in what this, you know, this whole green climate agenda, it's backfiring. ESG scores. We didn't talk about this yet. I want to bring this up. Sri Lanka <laughs> has the highest ESG score in the world. Yeah. 99%. What the hell happened to their country? It's imploding. Yeah. And the only reason they're not talking about it now is because they don't care. They've, mm -hmm. they've gotten rid of it. Germany's next. What did Trump say to the United Nations back in 2018? He said, Germany, if you don't cut off your support, your, if you don't cut off your dependence to Russian oh, natural Russia. gas, you will self-implode. And they yep. laughed at him. They laughed at him. And I'm like, you don't have to like the guy. But you can admire that he's been pretty on the ball with a lot of these things. Yeah, it's like back in, uh, what, March 2020, right? He wanted to buy, he wanted to increase the reserves of oil. Uh, what was the barrel? It was what? $24. Yeah, $24, $24 a, barrel. a barrel. Now, and then it was the Democrats that rejected it. And now the Democrats are depleting their strategic reserves. And now they want to repurchase oil at $90 a barrel. It just, You're going to pay almost three and a half times the price now after rejecting before. And you, then you're saying it's not political. We're doing it because the people need it. No, they need it because you caused the problem. And then you rejected it when it would have been much more financially beneficial for the nation. It uh, I just, it's, it's complete BS. And again, politics aside, you can't talk about macro and finance without getting somewhat political these days. And somebody is obviously going to get offended. And that's fine. <laughs> we're just talking about it. So anyway, back, we're, we're veering off topic again. There's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> back, back to energy. So energy right now, they are like oil and gas companies yeah. are generating so oh, much, much free cash flow. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to pay dividends to shareholders. I want to be in that sector. I've been in that sector yeah, since exactly. November, 2020. I'm laughing right now. Yeah. I have barely any tech in my portfolio no. for now. For now, we'll talk about that later. You know, so, so, and, and the reason why you want to be in this space, again, not financial advice. I got to be careful. It's just my opinion. The reason why I want to be in this space, that's better. The reason why I want to be in this space is because they're going to pay dividends. Yeah. There's going to be continued growth. Oil is going to stay above $90 a barrel. Anytime it goes below that, the only thing that's happening in my mind is the U.S. under Biden is depleting their strategic oil reserve. Yeah. And that's the only way that they're manipulating the price. And OPEC, and OPEC has more control. Exactly. And now OPEC's coming back and giving the U.S. the finger. They're like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Like, like when the no, Biden administration asked them to postpone by a month yeah. their uh, cut and so, they said no. <laughs> so until Biden is no, until there is a common sense person in the United States. Yes, he's orange. Yes, he's. He's got blonde hair. Okay. <laughs> Not going to say his name because some people are going to get offended. Um, when there is that period of time, that's when oil and gas, okay, take your profits. You made money. Get the fuck out. Time to look at other things. Because you know they're going to open up the gates back to the industry. You have to. 
you run into a situation where you're totally not energy independent. And the same thing for Canada in terms of natural resources it just blows my mind. We are the most natural, yeah. richest natural resource country in the world. And because we're such virgin infrastructure, we have the ability to really build it out in a more innovative way than anybody else has ever done it. Yeah. Europe is so built out already. Well, Europe's just tight. I mean, but that's my like, point. But their infrastructure is freaking old. So you can't, it's not easy to do it. And there's not a lot of room anymore. Canada, so much space. You can do it and you can do it in a way that's more innovative and different than anybody else has ever done it. Because you have the infrastructure. Yeah, you, you have a virgin infrastructure. You have so much space and so much resources. You have a lot of brains. You got America next door. Like, you know? So, but now if you go back, so now that you talked about energy, so I have two things. So one, it's the fact that oil and gas, 100%. The second thing is, it's either that entering this winter, they're going to start realizing, well, we don't want to go back to oil and gas. So what we need to do is start depending more on uranium and nuclear because we have no choice. If we're not going to go back to that, we need a, we need a solution that's going to be quicker. Clean it. You stole the words out of my mouth. Cleanest energy on earth. Exactly. And now the thing goes, CO2 emissions. Yes. And the thing goes that like, if I'm not, if I'm not going to open my gates back to oil and gas and I don't care, I'm not, I'm not going that direction no matter what. Now, you don't really have many solutions. The only real solution you can utilize in the short to medium term is nuclear. Now, that goes back to the other problem. There's not a lot of uranium. <laughs> so this goes back into the commodity play of the energy play. I mean, you're, you're saying the next sector that I think you and I have just been like yeah. loving for the last, I don't know how long, but um, physical silver, uh, physical gold, you can't go wrong. I, funny enough... Um, a lot of the sort of Bitcoin enthusiasts who are doing really well uh, in the States, who are acquaintances of mine, started buying gold and silver this year. I'm dead. No and, way. And, 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 and they were all in on like, well, not all in. They, they put like, you know, a few. I had one guy that I know lives in Florida. He's like, he put a million dollars into Bitcoin, wrote it up and then lost it. Now he's back to 800,000 or whatever. And he put something on his story. Kid's 25. He's an absolute shark. Smart kid. You know, and he's doing really, really great things. He's doing really well. He's, he's going to have a family here soon. Um, he, he put a, a picture on his story of like gold and silver bars. And I nice. go, I asked him, I go, what inspired you to do that? He goes, honestly, he's like, I know what you want me to say. Like you kind of did, but I just, but I, it's like, I realize like you need to be diversified. So there's this epiphany right now of like, hey, regardless of whether or not a brick, a shiny brick um, has no utility, it's still a store of value. Yeah. And it will continue to be a store of value. That's exactly Can't go right. wrong with gold. Holding physical gold and silver. And silver, I mean, we had Peter Kraut on. I mean, yeah. you know, that's just a matter of time before people start realizing the gap, the supply gap yeah. between battery metals, those whole electric vehicle stuff. You need copper, you need silver. So energy and commodities are going to be great, but you need to be careful. They are cyclical, yeah. right? So they move pretty quickly. And right now, because of the interest rate game that's being played, they are getting impacted because as the dollar, think about it, as the dollar goes up, everything is denominated in dollars. So you, it's, it's other nations that operate in their own currencies. You know, it's, it's expensive to buy commodities for them. So it has that imp downward impact on the overall price because of the fact that the demand side kind of gets shot as the dollar goes up. But the thing is, once that pivot occurs in the interest rate game, commodities are bound to run up. The same thing with monetary metals. They're going to follow suit because then the demand's going to come back. You have governments around the world wanting to spend trillions of dollars on energy infrastructure. 
you can't do it without any commodities. There's no, there's no excess supply to, to kind of fuel that demand. So you need prices to go up in order to excavate and take risks and mine and anything. Everything's up in price anyway. So you can't be using prices from 10 years ago to do what you want to do now. Yeah. And I don't think you need to be too exposed to that sector. Like, mm. to be honest, I think I'm allocated maybe like 15% in physical gold and silver, along with some mining names. You know, like I don't. I'm not going like bonanza and saying like throw my whole life savings in there. No. If there was a place where I was going to take high, like if you wanted to play a high risk game, that would probably be the best ecosystem for me to do it because the return alpha potential on them is the torque there would be is exponential. There's very few other ecosystems or sectors where you could potentially get 10, 20, 30 X within the next five years. However, if you're not in front of your screen all day, every day watching the market, like you and I are, um, you know, and you can't go wrong with physical, man. Yeah. Like you actually cannot go wrong with that. It's generational wealth at that point. That's so you exactly keep stacking it. for the rest of your life. Next thing you know, you've got like a thousand ounces in a safe. It's a goalie. You have to think of it kind yeah. of like a goalie and a team, right? It's well, your, your, you're the I last would, line of defense. I, I would also say it's a long-term goal. I heard goal, but then you said goalie, which is yeah, goalie, 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 goalie. Yeah, like in a team. Like imagine having a team, right? So you have your striker, which is your aggressive growth midfielder. You could have a defender. Defender could be dividends. You're doing doing soccer analogies. I was thinking of hockey. (laughs) At the end of the day, right? You got your goalie. He's the last line of defense. His job is to make sure nothing gets through. That's technically the purpose of monetary metal, gold and silver. It's to be your last line of defense because in this world, everything reverts back to its mean. And if we go into an environment where you have massive geopolitical conflicts, you have uh, China, because uh, you have like, for example, the, what is it called again? The B, uh, a brick, right? So you got Brazil, Russia, India. Uh, uh, BRICS financial system. Exactly, right? So with China, India, Brazil, and Russia, like they're creating, like there's so many nations trying to get away from the US dollar, trying to create their own financial system outside of the US dollar. And what does that do? That's a bad, that's a negative impact on the United United States because the fact that they no longer have the leverage and ability to kind of um, outsource their inflation by printing and sending it out. Nobody wants it anymore. So what does that mean? The money comes right back. So yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say like, they're, they're, they, they're smart. This is a, this is a, I don't want to use this word, but it's like a, it is a war, unfortunately, yeah, of between course. two sides of the planet. Like yeah. you've got the Eastern allies and the West. Unfortunately, the West is totally dominated by NATO and like world economic forum. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that because <laughs> we will get shut down. Um, but, and that's, that could be a conspiracy. I don't know. You tell me. But no, what, what I was just like, when, to, to your point, Nick, it's just like they are preparing for what's coming. They know what's coming while we're unfortunately still debating about other Our pronouns. Yeah, that just to me, it's just like, guys, anyway, I don't want to talk about that. We're veering so far off topic right now, but. Um, but our priority is not Our priorities there. are just not there. And. You know, Russia, Saudi Arabia, China, they're thinking about the next 50 years, maybe 100 years. And they see that we're so distracted. It's funny. Putin put out an ad basically making fun of U.S. like social economic cultures. Anyway, it was 100 percent. No, he even came out. He called the he called the West a very, uh, very satanic in their beliefs and the way they go about treating the things they want to do. The world has the same perspective. You know, you have Biden, one of the worst administrations in human history. 
for America. Like you have that's that. not even debatable, but anyway. no, you can't. People that debate, it's like, my God, what the what are you looking at? What bubble do you live in that you cannot observe that this man does not belong in this position? He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a clueless. He never knows what he's saying. He doesn't know where he's walking to. He's being led around like a little sheep, a little dog. The world laughs at him. He's weak. His people are so divided. <sighs> So it's like, if I'm an external nation, why would I not take this opportunity to like, if I know, because the United States has crazy tools, we get it. They have weapons and tools and, and they have those, but the issue is the people are weak. And if you're going to take an opportunity to do something, you're going to do it when you're at your most divided internally. Vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. And this, gonna... you have the weakest leader, weakest administration, massive inflation, energy dependent independence on external nations uh your your people don't want to produce your people don't want to work uh, everybody's arguing over everything everything you people are everything they're arguing over has nothing to do about the infrastructure or the economy at really at core uh they want to start war with everybody and control everybody and spend more money it's like you, you're you're opening yourselves up to a massive attack from every direction we're, we're veering off the uranium energy and commodity stuff. <laughs> no, but then at the same time, it goes back because then in this environment, yeah. the supply chains are distorted everywhere. So what yeah. do you got to do? You got to you got to go back to what you had. Like Germany and Europe, they have like there's plenty of nuclear factors that they have. Well, guess what? If you don't use them, this winter could be one of the most disastrous winters you will face. And then the one after could be even worse. Yeah, but you know what? Those top officials, unfortunately, don't care. No. They're just trying to maintain a specific image. Um the level of narcissism coming from some of them is it's totally insane. Anyway, off topic, back to uranium and energy. But yeah. yeah, what you're saying is literally what those Eastern allies, we'll call them that, they know they know that they have to have uh, their currency backed by gold. They know that they're- Commodities, they, real they, things. Yeah, they, they need actual like commodities. And food is another one, right? Now, fertilizer and um, you know food producers- I'm going to stay away from them for now. Mm -hmm. They're extremely volatile right now. There is a name, though, that I do hold in my portfolio. It's called Suncor. They've yeah, yeah but that's oil, right? Uh, about the no, they do fertilizer and a lot of... Oh, brands. they do it too. Okay. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. Sun, Suncor is one of those big Canadian... like. Yeah, exactly. Because I hold them too, So I didn't, but I didn't know about the fertilizer part. Nick, you got to know what you own. Come on. Man. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought they were mostly an oil and gas-based uh, type of folks company. No, Sun, Suncor, they do fertilizer too, which is nice. Um, so they've basically taken advantage of those mar margins. They're paying a dividend. So, mm. um, so yeah, we talked about energy. We talked about oil and gas. We talked about commodities, uranium. I think you do want to look at some uranium plays. Of course. Um, this will require a significant amount of DD or due diligence because mm -hmm. you need to understand sort of the spot market. It's a little yeah. opaque. Um, but if you don't understand it, there's a Sprott Uranium Trust. High yeah, exactly. Rule. Uh, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, that, that's a good one. If you just want to take a look at it uh, again, this is not investment advice. This I literally just made a significant uranium position about a little over a week ago because I, everything's commodities were so bottomed out yeah. that I just bought, you know, like, so my main, uh, my main commodity exposure is uranium, copper, silver, uh, I won't include gold. I'll just include those three. So you, uranium, you have copper. Your physicals. You have your physicals. For yes, gold. I have my physical tools. But yeah. in terms of like, let's say, uh, junior, like junior expedition, junior producers, and all that, my main commodity exposure is silver, copper, uranium, and then I have a uh, lithium, a little bit of lithium. But I went with like Lithium Bank, which was another one of uh, Johnny's. Uh, 
companies. Yeah, Faraday Copper has been doing pretty well. Yeah, that was for copper, exactly. And now, and then he went over and now he's running Lithium Bank. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the Lithium plays will be interesting. It's a more of a long, multi-decade play, I think. Yeah. Um, because we're, we're, there's, I've seen that chart of yeah. like the gap, the supply gap for, you know, commodities for electric vehicles and stuff. So it, it's definitely a good comparable. And then you uh, need those, you need those semiconductors back to what we were talking about before again. We'll get to that in a second. Those are the tech <laughs> stuff. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is you do need some cash. Yeah. And I think you really need actually a lot of cash. Yeah. Because the bargains are going to be happening. There's yeah. some bargains happening right now. I still think the market is going lower. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be shocked. Um, and the only reason that would happen is maybe the Fed is actually doing the totally opposite of what they say they're going to do. That's the other thing. Everybody listening, whatever the media tells you in terms of yeah. what the Fed is doing, don't listen to that. We fell into, everybody falls into that trap. And I get mm-hmm. phone calls saying, hey, did you see what happened in Britain? I'm like, I don't know. Just look at the chart. What's going on? You know, headlines, you can't listen to what they say. You got to listen. You got to watch what they do. Mm-hmm. And what they do is totally different than what they say most mm-hmm. of the time. So if we see some kind of a significant rally, to me, it's a bear market rally, right? And usually bear market rallies are very aggressive. We saw it on Friday. It was an 800, mm-hmm. but that's because Apple crushed earnings. And Apple makes up, I think, 6.5% of the S&P or some, mm-hmm. some absurd number. So if Apple does well, the market will do well. But you do want to be in cash. And yep. I never thought I would say this after witnessing what we saw. The GICs are very... Yeah, literally, that's... The- they're a very good alternative. To I literally would tell people you. short term. I was looking at some short term 30 day uh, GICs, man. They're paying almost 3% yield. Take it. It's like you're better in cash. It's better the than your cash. It it exactly. It's better yeah. than your cash. And it's better than almost anything you'll get in the market. <laughs> I literally opened a cash account and it's just GICs. And that's all it is. And then if I have to withdraw it, I take it out. I'm not leaving my exactly it. No, no, honestly, GICs typically it's garbage, but in this environment, this is precisely the type of things you're looking to do. Secure your capital and maintain a baseline. You don't go down. You're just, you're, you're kind of like flat. Because what you're able to do is, okay, it's not beating inflation. It's very difficult, but you know that long-term, not long-term, but you know that in the next few months, interest rates are still going to be higher the banks are going to have to increase their prime rate. It's just how it works, Mm -hmm. right? So you do want to have cash that's producing little babies occasionally to say, okay, when the market does turn around, I've got a good cash position that I can deploy into the market on tech names. I'll talk about You want to be flexible in this environment. The last thing you want to do is to be be over leveraged and fully invested stuck. You can't, if you are in that position, you have no mobility and that's the worst time. The time you want the most flexibility is in the worst environment possible. When everything is going in your way, by all means go all in because there's no problems going around the world. We're not in that environment anymore. You can't. And then people say, well, let's look at the last 20 years for the last next 20 years. That's not the same thing. You can't do that. I I like when people say that. I'm just like, you can't do that. And then when people say, oh, look at the stock markets. Oh, uh, look at the last hundred years. Okay, guys, look at anywhere in human history. Show me a society that's lived forever. It's never. So if your basis on an economy is based on a, on a small timeline perspective, you're ignoring a civilization's timeframes. You're lowering 200 years, 500 years, 1,000 years. It doesn't work that way. So you can't say that's only going to go up for the rest of your life. It doesn't make sense. That, that Nowhere in history have you experienced that. So you have to think of a different perspective. Now, going back to your bear market rally, actually, 
I agree with you actually on that, because what I think is probably going to happen is you're going to see, let's say you get a plausible uh, Fed reversal, right? You get that snare. In let's say you of, get in terms of policy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. let's say they say, okay, well, we need to slow down or we need to start reversing a bit because we need to start kind of helping with what's going on geopolitically around the world. Okay. So we need to start focusing on that. So I think that in the short term, people are going to just play the interest rate perspective and say, oh, okay, we can go back into the market. Don't fight the Fed. The Fed's going to support. But the thing is, you're not in that scenario, you're going to ignore the fact that inflation is not being solved and that the world is still regressing, productivity is still regressing, supply chains. Two jobs, by the way. That's the thing. And and that goes back into the jobs count, right? Someone working two, three jobs adds to a greater count job. So it's like you're distorting it because people have to work more jobs. So you're saying, well, there's 200,000 jobs created. Okay, but how many of those jobs are people working two or three jobs? We don't it's a know. distortion. Yeah, we, we so for me, it's like, it. I think that, yes, you'll get the bear market rally. So you'll get that up and then people realize, but wait, nothing actually got solved. Nothing's getting better. Everything's still getting worse. So it's like, okay, shit. That was a bad play. Market comes right back down. Well, they'll bait the they'll bait the mar- uh, the uh, the regular retail investors. They'll all get back in. They'll go up. The institutions will take profit out, and then they'll go. And then the retail guys will get nailed again. They get rug pulled every time. Exactly. Um, yeah. No. GICs are actually like it's. I never thought I'd say this. The other thing that I, start, <laughs> I, I agree with you on that one. The, the other thing that I would start looking at too, and this is when you feel like the interest rates have peaked. I don't know if it's going to solve the crisis that we're talking about with like distortion of productivity, but when you're looking at the data, when I believe when the Fed starts cutting rates, mm-hmm. that's when we bottomed. Now, but it could a, also just go sideways, not necessarily that, just go up. Correct, correct. And that's where unfortunately we could we could honestly because inflation is going to go my honest Inflation right now is not, what are they putting it? Six and a half, seven percent. I look at inflation as what is the price of food right now? Yeah. Food inflation. Food, is 30, energy, 30, housing, yeah. clothes. Just, yeah. No, but like those three, those like yeah. food and energy. What is that inflation right now? Way it's, above 15%. <laughs> it's, it's around 13 and a half, 14%. So that to me is the real inflation number. And if the official CPI has to be at 8%, what are you going to do then? You're going to have mm-hmm. a decade of lost productivity. So it's something to consider. It's like, okay, when that does happen, you're actually going to want to be in bonds. <laughs> like you want to be in bonds because it's an inverse relationship, right? You know, if rates start going down, bond prices start going up, that'll come back down. But how long of a period is that going to be? We have no fucking idea. Mm-hmm. So GICs and uh, GICs for the short term right now, yep. great hedge, great to build your cash position. You know, you put $10,000 in a GIC, it pays 30, per, uh, 30%, I wish, three and a half, four percent 4%. That's still, it's, it's a dividend. It's coming into your account, like build that position. And you know, you're not, you're not losing your capital other correct. than the negative inflation part of that. Correct. Correct. And unfortunately, that's something that you can't. I mean, it's hard unless, to fight at 13%. I, I, it's really unless, hard to unless you're using a sophisticated like coverted call strategy. And there are coverted call ETFs you can take a look at. I don't know, I'm not gonna list them because I'm not a financial expert, but um, you know, y- you do want to have a cash buildup as this, you know, turbulence starts funneling through. And I think, you know, as soon as we reach a point of inflection, when there's so much negativity, there's so much pessimism in the market, that to me signals the best time to start buying. Mm-hmm tech names that are going to be, you know, the next 
they're going to be around for the next 10, yeah. 20 years. The, the Shopify's, the like Apple, like they're yeah, going to come yeah, yeah. down. The only, the one factor, one, the, one of the biggest factors in the tech plays, I would say, like this is one that's applied for me for Meta this entire time is the ones that are, are political. I, touch Meta. I would not touch Meta. Yeah, no, but that's all. the thing. The ones that are political and that keep becoming more political. Yeah. Because they're the ones that, especially in an environment where you have governments trying to control more and trying to maintain um, information security and data security and all that stuff. It's like, well, a lot of these tech companies, if you're originally from the United States, they don't, and, and countries are starting to push America out. They don't want these possible threats or these possible backdoor companies that can give an entry to the United States for information or whatever. Well, that's, and they'll that's kick exact, them out. That's exactly why China and Russia have their own version of Facebook. Yep. For literally that reason. And people are like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, yeah. Like they don't use Facebook there. They use something else. My big, I always tell people meta is like, I meta is too political. They are going to suffer because countries are not going to want them in their nation because they, they're, they, they, they play politics. They're dividing people. And it's a threat to, to a sovereignty of a government. So why would I want them in my nation? I do, I do want to talk about sort of like special sits right now that I think are actually going to do well in this sort of crazy recessionary environment. I found a company and I got to give him a shout out. He's a broker at Canaccord. Had a very good conversation with him. He told me about this company. It's called Decisive Dividend. Not investment advice, do your own due diligence. Okay. Uh, ticker symbol, I believe, is DE on the venture. Mm -hmm. And basically what they do is they hold a portfolio, I think of six or seven companies that have positive EBITDA, free cash flow. And these are industries that are in the industrial farming and like mm. literally your basic, like nice. you need these in society. It's like defensive. base core infrastructure. I'll, place. I'll give you an example of a company that they own in the portfolio that I, I'm still doing my due diligence on this name. I'm probably going to put a position through this recession. They pay a very nice dividend. It's going to do well. The stock's been pretty flat too. It's like pretty steady, but I'll give you an example of names that you actually want to look at right now. This company, they literally make the little, um, casings for like chips and products in grocery stores mm -hmm. that's not going away no so when everyone's talking about oh yo bro i bought dogecoin at five cents i mooned it to 14 cents i'm like great job you you gambled okay congratulations bro the most boring companies in this environment that are free cash flowing are going to make you the most money that's it that's it so like a special situation like that like where they it's the most boring utilities like yeah. ever that you're just like, I would never buy that. It's not fun. Those will make you the most money. Yeah. And those can actually contribute to that extra alpha throughout this time. I've got my own little alpha generating things that I think will do well. I've taken my losses as well. I've made mm -hmm. some terrible bets. I'll, you know, we're not perfect. Anybody that says I have a perfect trading record or investment record is full of yeah, shit. Exactly. You know, but you know, those special sits, man, like take a look at utilities. It's one of those spaces that's just like nobody wants to look at. And I think as a contrarian investor, you want to take a look at those areas. And now tech is getting to that point. It's almost there. I don't think it's quite there yet. People are still buying tech stocks. But I want tech to be a pe period where all those like social media charlatans, all those Bitcoin like maximalists say, I'm never touching tech again. I think that's when you and I start putting our capital work in, this, in, in those spaces. You know, I think when I think when the attention focuses to dividends and let's say commodities, I think that's when your the attention will be completely away from tech. 
because people are going to be chasing a new type commodity. of growth strategy. Yeah, people are going to be chasing commodities. We'll be in that sector. <laughs> and now we'll revert back take, the other way. We'll, we'll take, okay, we're selling you our stock at a much higher price. Thank you very much. Take our <laughs> and capital. And we're going we back that way. It. Exactly. Rinse and repeat, man. Rinse and repeat. That's it. No, I think that's it. That's the cycle. I think really what it is, is that you're going to see the tension really deplete because people are getting obliterated. So they're going to be okay. I'm done. I can't keep buying lower and lower. I'm not going to fight that anymore. I'm just going to look for other opportunities that had just been neglected for so long. Energy, commodities, those have just been ignored for so long. It's like, and it's hard to argue that there's no upside value. It's really hard not to, it's, it's, a, it's I, unlikely. I, I'm just shocked that people are just like, I would never invest in energy because it's not ESG. And I'm just like, just like, what does ESG actually mean? It's hypocrisy because their life is not even ESG. Their behaviors are not ESG, like, but you want to invest. If you want ESG in your house, you should like eat carbon for the rest, of, like carbon boxes for the rest of your life. Should we not throw out the trash? Like, I don't understand. Anyway. We'll see that for another time. Um, one last thing I want to talk about uh, before we hop off is um, Elon Musk. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing this guy cannot do. I don't know if he's had a failed business. Actually, no, I don't think he has. Like, he sold PayPal. He's running Tesla. Like, Tesla stock, I would not touch. I still like it. You know, I, I love Elon, but, like, this guy literally – I'm interested to see what he's going to do with Twitter now. He's yep. taking it private. It's about time. The stock has been absolutely like atrocious. Yeah, that's somebody reason- mentioned that actually. I didn't look his Twitter apparently doesn't, they couldn't find Twitter on the market. It's done. It's okay. That's why I said everyone's like, yeah, exactly. I, I had people DMing me saying, do I buy Twitter? I'm like, it's going to be private. You're chasing an overvalued fucking piece of shit stock. Like, don't do it. Backer. You know, but the actual company has utility. I mean, like, I think Twitter has the potential to become it, it already is like if you're really into finance if you're a finance nerd like you and i are he should buy gold, facebook meta it's it's a <laughs> it's a gold mine though like of information i find twitter is really become like another source of like information for investing and all these different ideas which is very cool so i think elon he scared a lot of people on the other side because what he's doing it's it's it takes a lot of bravery and courage because there's a lot of billionaires that are out there, right? They do something like this, they're risking their entire wealth. Yep. Elon's like, fuck it. I yep. need to save society from like free speech right now. But all his wealth, like that's what people don't realize when they complain about wealthy people. It's like people like Elon, he doesn't hoard his wealth to do nothing with it. He takes it, he makes it and he How much of that is in cash by the way? Probably like 2%. Maybe the less. guy clearly doesn't live off of much money because all he does is work and spend his money on, on innovative projects and new business adventures and creates jobs and moves things forward. Like government can't do that. It's because of him that America now has a space program that's back at the forefront. It's because of him, not because of anybody else. Like you, I admire him. Like you don't have to like him. You don't have to hate him. I just admire his bravery and courage. So look, I'm really interested to see what he does with Twitter. Of course. Um, it's it's a great platform. It was just run by Gustavo communists. I think that's the best way to describe I'm it. I'm curious to see who he puts as a team management for that company. Well, it's going to piss off a lot of people. I think. <laughs> it's already I pissing off a lot of people. I don't know. What it, but you know what? He, he's literally, he's purging the company. It's like a fresh, clean slate at this point. So, Which it should um, be because it yeah, has so, to be that way. So, something to pay attention to. It's going to be a private company. I think it should have been private. The company should have never gone public to begin with. But, you know, people are trying to make you know, a billion dollars, try to retire early. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, 
that's how we have to get back to thinking is like, how do we build productive society and how do we get people to get wealthy? Basically, how can we just going back to playing economics? Yeah. Like just have fun with it. Like everybody thinks it's like, oh, just because this person is making this much money, he's an asshole. Like, okay. Ask yourself the question. What have you done? Yeah. I know it's pretty direct. I don't know any other. No, but it's true. But yeah, people have to face that reality. You know, he puts, regardless of anything, you have to give him credit for what he's done and what he's doing and what he's trying to do. I I love it. I love it. And I think, you know, more people need to do that. Yeah. Myself included. You too. All of us. (laughs) That's the goal, right? So look, quick, quick summary, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, Please check out our website, uh, newgenmindset.com. We're going to be writing a newsletter going to be very basic um we'd love for you to you know tag your friends follow us on youtube uh continue to follow us on instagram we really appreciate our our current uh small supporter base but we will get bigger and i know that it's going to take some time we'll probably be at the vic conference again in uh, january we'll be we'll be in the uh in vancouver in january most probably Uh, i think i'm pretty much going to that and i think you are too but um, yeah to recap guys like cash is king um don't go all in (laughs) on investments right now it's just gonna obliterate you and just be patient in the yeah. market defensive not- patient and don't rush into anything don't be, don't think aggressively don't think like a gambler don't think like a high risk player this is not the environment for it no definitely not and i would rather be i would rather sit on my hands and laurels with gic's right now and then invest in myself too for whatever it is you mm-hmm. know training on 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 being better at sales. Exactly. Making sure to optimize your cash flow, reduce your cost base, increase your, uh, your revenue side of things, uh, get defensive and get strategic to make sure you've got cash flow and you don't have, you don't over overburden yourself with debt liabilities and costs. You want to be flexible. That's your game. You got to be flexible, adaptable, and defensive. A hundred percent. That's why I don't have any debt and I don't think you do either. So keep it at that. It's the best credit card debt doesn't count. I don't think if you're responsible. Why, well, if you pay it off month to month, it's yeah, irrelevant. Like, what's like? It, it's a free point. I use it for I'm, my points. So. Exactly. Unless you're spending like 25k a month, and there's something you better be making 75k a month at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. So, guys, th- thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back in a few weeks. We've got some interesting guests that we're working on bringing yeah. back on, um, talking about what's happening in this crazy market. Some new guests that we're working on too very popular and you know if you follow them on youtube we're not going to say who quite yet but nick's smiling because he knows exactly who i'm trying to get in touch with um but yeah really appreciate you guys listening to this episode um and we'll see you next time on the new gen mindset podcast thanks guys take care ciao